Welcome inside Appalachia. I'm Mason Adams. And I'm Caitlin Tan. The pandemic has reshaped our world in many ways, including how we show up to court for legal proceedings. We'll hear about one family's experience with adoption in eastern Kentucky. Even the judge, he was like, where exactly are you all for this phone call? He said, because I can tell you're in a vehicle. And I was like, we're sitting in the Walmart parking lot. And meanwhile, across the Atlantic Ocean in Wales, 18-year-old Ella Cudlip says one of the hardest parts is being separated from the people she loves. But the thing I miss the most is my nan and my grandfather. They've done everything for me, and I can't wait to give my nan a cutch when it's all over. And in Wales, we say cutch instead of hug. And Joe Buckland's been the primary caregiver for his newborn daughter. It's helped them bond in a way many dads don't get to. We had done bath time, and I was rocking her, and she just nuzzled in, and it just it felt complete. You'll hear these stories and more this week inside Appalachia. Welcome inside Appalachia. I'm Mason Adams. And I'm Caitlin Tan. How has the pandemic changed your life and the lives of your friends and loved ones? Yeah, we're one year into the pandemic and so much has changed. Like, it's hard for me to remember what life was like before I wore a mask to the grocery store. This has been a historic year for so many people and we wanted to mark the moment. And let's be clear, the pandemic isn't over yet. People are still getting sick, and a big majority of us are still unvaccinated. And frankly, we still face months and years of recovery. But it's good to think back on how far we've come. Last summer, only a couple of months into the pandemic, we heard from two new dads. Chuck Klein, who works here at West Virginia Public Broadcasting as a video producer, and Joe Buckland, who worked in a restaurant but was furloughed. Let's listen back, starting with Chuck. Where it all really started for me was we started hearing of a pandemic on the news right at the beginning of March. March on, on March 13th, the governor of West Virginia um, basically said, hey, we're closing schools down. That went into effect on the 16th. And by Governor Jim Justice put a stay-at-home order for the state of West Virginia, shelter in place. And it's like, holy crap, I'm about to have a baby. What kind of world am I about to bring my kid into? Uh, my daughter Olivia was born on February 19th, uh, right before the pandemic started. Uh, it kind of changed things. Um, I lost my job, much like uh, most of the country, it seems, uh, on March 16th. And I became a full-time stay-at-home father. I like to call myself a house dad. I bonded with my kid the minute she was born. Uh, Actually, that's not entirely true. It took me a couple of days uh, because I I remember now I I was in shock. You know, my fiancé was in labor for 72 hours. And when Olivia was finally born, it was such a monumental moment. I cried, of course, but I knew that everything had changed in a good way. I, I, I knew that my life would never be the same, but I was so excited. There was a lot of anxiety for me over what if I get it? What if I struggle with it? What if I don't survive it? What if my baby gets it? Um, what if my children get it? You know, I think everybody went through these emotions. And so I was struggling with it a little bit. And on March 28th, I didn't sleep very well at all. I was up probably at 3 a.m. And I was sitting downstairs, just fiddling through a phone or something, just basically struggling a little bit, trying to get a grasp on this unwinding of our normal society, our normal way of life, and my wife, Glennis, texted me from upstairs and said, hey, what you doing? I said, just basically trying to focus myself and um, trying to calm myself down, and she replied with, I really need you to be calm, because Kai is coming today. 
We were not going to the hospital. We had several reasons for that. She wanted to try to do it at home. And then with this pandemic, there was no way we were going to go to the hospital unless we absolutely had a super emergency going down. We had a plan. We didn't do any of it, but we, that's pretty much the way birth goes, I guess. I'm running around with masks and gloves on and bottles of bleach and spray bottles of hand sanitizers. And, you know, like I was switching, changing some sheets on the, on, um, on the main bed. And all of a sudden, in one big bellow of a scream, I heard the baby cry. Nature just was like, no, we're just going to do it right here on the floor. Oh, no. Oh, no, yeah. And perfect timing because this is where you come into the story. Yeah, you. Yeah. So then you were born. I know. It was a weird day, wasn't it? Born at 1 o'clock. <laughs> My daughter's only now three months old, so there really wasn't a lot of things that I had to do with her. You know, babies that age, you feed them, you keep them clean, uh, you hold them when they cry, and you make sure they get enough sleep, and, you know, that's pretty much it. Now we're doing tummy time, which is kind of cool. Put her on her belly, and she's got to kind of push herself up and look around. You see, Mr. Fox? You see, Mr. Fox? Uh, yeah. It's really neat to watch this uh, little girl grow up into a person. That story originally aired last June. Mason, you recently spoke with Joe Buckland and Chuck Klein. How are they doing? Chuck Klein's still at West Virginia Public Broadcasting. And he's been doing a lot of his work with a baby by his side. Joe told me he was laid off from the restaurant where he worked. He eventually got rehired, but business is still slower than before, so there aren't as many hours. He says that's more time he gets to spend with his daughter, who recently turned one. The place that I was when I recorded that interview, you know, it was, I believe, June of last year. And I had a kid that was immobile still. (laughs) Those were the good times. You know, I could plop her and do tummy time and just, you know, kind of hang out with her. Now she's mobile. And 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., it's on me to be uh, her sole caregiver. Her mom uh, has been working from home, and she is a substance abuse counselor working from home. And, you know, due to HIPAA regulations, you know, I have to stay away. But, you know, it is difficult. There is a sacrifice. You know, I'm certainly not the first one. Uh, I won't be the last one. And I know that there's thousands of other fathers and, you know, mothers and caregivers in the same situation. And it's, you got to sacrifice. And that was the biggest adjustment, I think, that the pandemic brought. There are times when, you know, it's solely me. And that's not unique to fatherhood, but. You know, there were times when we couldn't go to the store. I'm always, always paranoid about services that she's touched, who I'm letting her get close to. And I know that I've noticed it in Olivia now. And I don't know if, Chuck, if you can relate, but Olivia, there's a pandemic baby kind of thing where she hasn't been around people. You know, we've had to sequester her most of. Uh, you know, the majority of her life with my dad, someone who's, you know, very much a part of our lives, she's shy with, and she's shy with other family members that she doesn't see very often. And, you know, I wonder, you know, I wonder what kind of developmental issues the isolation that we've had to have her in is causing. Chuck, just to add on, I mean, it feels like those early years are really intense when you're going through them, but they they slip fast out of your memory as you get older, it feels like. So, you know, when you're looking back on this in 10 or 20 years, what's something from the last year that you, you want to remember? Well, I'm kind of an introvert, and I've honestly have kind of enjoyed having my family at home. I know it's probably wrong to, you know, 
wish that we could continue staying away from other people, but that's just me. I guess I guess one thing I'll remember is you know the, the little dude Kai's um, growth. You know, he's standing. He says hi, dad, dad, stuff like that. He's coming up on a year. Those are the moments that you'll remember, whether there's a pandemic or not. Joe, how about you? You know, when you look back, what is it you want to remember from these days that it's important not to lose? Uh, that's a question that has the potential to put me in tears, to be honest. Really, just the opportunity to have spent as much time with her and to watch her, you know, become a person, to see these character traits come out. You know, the first time she actually let me put her hair in a pigtail, just the pure joy of, hey, I was able to do this. And, you know, she's happy about it. The little things, I think, is what I want to keep. The smiles, the the days concluded, you know, and I'm rocking her. I can, you know, just a clear memory of July or August of last year. And we had the window open and there was a cool breeze blowing in. And we had done bath time and I was rocking her and she just nuzzled in and it just, it felt complete. And like Chuck says, these are the moments that would happen, you know, whether there was a pandemic or not, but just, I've never felt so content in my life and so connected with the world around me through my kid and the love of my life. It sounds really cheesy. I know. (laughs) There's an appreciation, I guess. An extra appreciation. Yeah. Chuck, what's what's something you've learned over the last year? Well, I mean, work-related. I, I lost about 20% of my income. I freelance as well. So I, I cut all that out, and I actually started selling bicycles. And I'm making more money. So I've learned that I'm not going back to that. <laughs> I've definitely learned how to... Uh, stay with this one a little better than because I was forced to, you know, but, uh, I learned I can do it a different way and be with the kids rather than be on the road. Again, that was Chuck Klein of Wheeling, West Virginia and Joe Buckland of Mount Pleasant, Pennsylvania. While we're looking back at this year, we wanted to shout out the things that kept us going. One thing that's kept my head straight is just getting out and going running on the dirt roads of my neighborhood. Uh, I agree, Mason. Honestly, for me, it's been getting outdoors. It feels to me like the one place where you don't have to necessarily wear a mask, and I feel somewhat safe from COVID. But it depends on where you go. Some days and sometimes woods are awfully crowded. Yeah, that's true. Well, a few of you shared with us things that have given you hope this past year. Here's a voicemail we received. Hi, my name's April Shannon, and I'm in Huntington, West Virginia. And uh, we ended up doing a project because of everything with the lockdowns and so forth. It got so quiet and so lonely on everybody. And, you know, a bunch of us got together and realized that it was, you know, music that was helping everybody, you know, through and not feel lonely and, you know, a sense of community and so forth. And um, so we've actually started a little indie radio station right here in Huntington. And we've got uh, a group of friends that uh, we share a bunch of stuff with over in Northwest England. So it's sort of like, you know, pen pals to cousins and so forth. And, uh, you know, we send them some of our stuff. They send some of our, you know, they listen to ours. We listen to theirs. And, um, you know, we're getting ready. We're working on a a CD right now with uh, a bunch of unsigned indie artists from, you know, all over the place. We do shows and, you know, just build each other up constantly over that. And I am so happy that y'all are doing a show on this because there's, even with all the bad, there's always good. There's always some type of silver lining if you just look for it and, you know, just get up and do something about it. And uh, I appreciate y'all doing that. Hi, April. Thanks for that message. I love it any time we hear about folks from Appalachia collaborating artistically with people in other parts of the world. For our next story, we're going to cross the ocean from Appalachia to the country of Wales. And Appalachia's had hundreds of years of connections to Wales. 
So why should the pandemic get in the way? A group of teenagers from Wales and Appalachia have been sending each other audio letters over the last year. Sam McCarthy and Ella Cudlip are from Merthyr Tidfil, Wales. And Brooke Thomas and Mackenzie Kessler are from Fayette County, West Virginia. Hello, my name is Mackenzie Kessler, and right now I'm sitting in my favorite spot. It's in my papa's junkyard, and it's typically really peaceful here. I can see wild animals and hear some tame ones, but um, my favorite thing about this spot is that you can't see any of the houses. It's like a separation from all of that. That's something I love about West Virginia as a state. You can have the ability to separate yourself from everything. It's hard to choose a favorite food. I love Chick-fil-A's chocolate chunk cookies, but unfortunately I haven't had one since the quarantine started. But I also love buffalo chicken dip, and my mom has had some free time on her hands to make that more often. When it comes to going into senior year, I've been thinking a lot about it. I'm not typically emotional about things like this, but when people mention senior year, I change the subject pretty fast. I guess just the thought of the big life change after graduating makes me nervous, but it's an exciting nervous. Hi, my name is Ella and I live in Merthyr Tidville in Wales. Right now I'm living with my boyfriend and I have been for around 13 weeks. I just had my birthday on the 14th of June and finally turned 18, which means I can buy anything in a shop or a store. Um, The best thing about quarantine is that I can decide what my day is going to be. As much as I love my college and my work, it's nice to have a break from everything and concentrate on my relationships uh, with the people closest to me. The negatives of quarantine is that my driving test was cancelled two days before it was supposed to take it, which is why me and my boyfriend go on lots of walks instead and not drives, sadly. Another negative about quarantine is that I don't get to see my dog every day. Her name's Bailey and she's a black lab and I love her so much. But the thing I miss the most is my nan and my grandfather. They've done everything for me and I can't wait to give my nan a cutch when it's all over. And in Wales we say cutch instead of hug. Hey Ella, happy late birthday. You actually share the same birthday with my mom, which is pretty cool. Um... When it comes to your driver's test being postponed or canceled right whenever you were about to take it, I am so sorry about that. I have friends that are going through similar things, and but I hope you get to get your test soon and you can start going on drives with your boyfriend. And we have a dog, too. He's a little beagle, and his name is Shiloh. It would be so hard to be away from him for very long because we leave for two hours and come back, and he just cries and cries. Like, we've been gone forever. But I hope you get to be with your dog more soon and that you get to give your nan and grandfather a kutch. I'm pretty sure that's how you say it. Um, It's pretty cool that y'all say that instead of hug. I might have to start using that. But anyways, it was nice hearing from you. Hi, my name is Sam McCarthy, and... I live in Merthyr Tidville in Wales. I just turned 18 on the 25th of June, so I know I'm legally an adult and I can drink and smoke, but I don't want to smoke. Lockdown's been weird and new. Some things I do miss from being in lockdown is uh, having my guitar lessons and my driving lessons. That's been put on hold, which I'm a bit sad about because I was excited to drive. One thing I wouldn't change about lockdown is living with my girlfriend. It's just been the best time and we've been able to grow a lot and bond a lot more, (laughs) which I think has made us stronger and it's made me excited for the future as well. So uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I hope you're all doing well over there. I'm Brooke. It's very nice to meet both of you. It's amazing to hear your quarantine has been going well in Wells. It was nice hearing you both talk about your hobbies and what you enjoyed doing. I also enjoy taking walks with my families, giving them hugs or a cut, as you say. 
Because of COVID-19, I had to leave school my junior year. So basically, I'm a senior now. That's a bit nerve-wracking, but I'm mainly more excited than scared because I'm finally going to be an adult soon, and I've waited for this moment my whole life, and I'm excited for the opportunities I'm going to have. Um, I personally would rather be in person for schooling because I find myself very scattered and I always feel like I'm missing something when we're doing virtual school. So I hope that I can get myself into a better routine and be more self-disciplined, which this could be what helps me with that when it comes to virtual things. But anyways, um, I would love to hear how Wales is responding to this, what you all are facing when it comes to returning to school, what you are choosing over if you have options. Hi guys, it's Ella. It's so nice hearing from you again. Right now in Wales, the COVID rates are really low, but we're still in a lockdown for another few weeks. I was supposed to move back in with my parents after living with my boyfriend, but for my mental health, I chose to move in with my grandparents. I still can't drive. I've had my fifth test cancelled, and my next test is the 9th of April. Every day I take my grandparents on a drive to wherever we want to go, and sometimes we stop to feed the horses. I love my grandparents so much. And we made a bird feeding stand um, in the garden. And they, <laughs> we always give them leftovers because uh, my nan cooks so much food. She cooks every day. Uh, another rule in Wales is that we can form a bubble with another household. So um, I still get to see my boyfriend, Sam. And we always go on walks whenever we can. And uh, we're currently binge-watching Breaking Bad for the second time. Um, we like writing scripts as well. Um, we're currently writing a comedy TV show. Hi guys, it's Sam. It's starting to get pretty boring being in lockdown for such a long time, but we're feeling optimistic about this year with the vaccines rolling out so fast. My girlfriend Ella and I are even hoping to go to a music festival in August which will be such a nice escape after this chaotic year. Some changes that have happened is that I'm making sure to keep active in lockdown by exercising every day and going on long walks with Ella. And we always find new places that we never knew were right outside our doorstep. The biggest change for me is my new job at Pizza Hut. It's pretty boring there at the moment because the restaurant isn't open, so we're only doing takeaways and it's never busy. But still, it's a nice change from being stuck in the house and I get some money too, which is always helpful. And I'm not quite sure what my plans are after COVID. I'm thinking of going to university, but I'm not sure if I should take a gap year until I know. I'm mostly excited to start doing normal things again, like going to music festivals, taking drives to the beach, going to the cinema, shopping, restaurants and everything else. It's going to be an expensive year. Because of this pandemic, I've had to put a lot of my hobbies on hold, like seeing friends and going to school and after school activities. So that's been a bit rough to deal with, but I've been working around that and I'm just focusing on spending time with my family and exploring the wilderness and stuff, going places I've never been before in this beautiful state and because there are essential workers in my family that are being exposed to this daily we have had to take extra precautions and we're just trying to stay safe as best as we can but we're also not letting fear get in the way and we're just enjoying life and staying positive through this because we know that we will get through this everyone will My favourite hobby is training in Krav Maga, which is um, an Israeli self-defence or street fighting. I've done it for seven years, so since I was 11 years old. So um, I'm really looking forward to going back to training again, because doing online sessions isn't the same. You don't get the same atmosphere. But yeah, I hope we get to hear back from you soon, and um, maybe when things are back to normal, we can meet up for a future project. Okay, bye.
That was Ella Cudlip and Sam McCarthy from Wales, and Brooke Thomas and Mackenzie Kessler from Fayette County, West Virginia. They shared their audio letters as part of our Folkways project, reporting on the connections between Wales and Appalachia. To hear more of their letters, go to wvpublic.org. After a quick break, we'll hear from an emerging young journalist in eastern Kentucky who made a documentary about foster care during the pandemic. And we'll check in with an artist who had a severe case of COVID-19. You're Inside Appalachia. I'm Caitlin Tan. And I'm Mason Adams. We'll be right back. Support for Inside Appalachia is provided by Concord University in Athens, West Virginia. With career-focused liberal arts education in more than 80 degrees and programs to pursue various career options, not just a single job. More at concord.edu. The pandemic has reshaped so much of our lives, and that was true for families fostering and adopting children, too. In eastern Kentucky, 22-year-old Hannah Adams found herself at the front row view of the process after she was sent back home from college and moved in with her mom, who was in the midst of adopting a foster child. Hannah made a 12-minute audio documentary about it for the Appalachian Media Institute called Foster Care in a Pandemic World. The coronavirus pandemic has brought many challenges to an already overworked and complex foster care system, particularly for rural areas like those seen in eastern Kentucky. In a time that all families are struggling with change in an unforeseen future, foster families and the system itself have been impacted with many additional concerns. It's mommy. Eating sugar. No mommy. Telling lies. My mother, Melina Adams, decided to extend our family after remarrying and losing a pregnancy. Maybe if it was meant for me to be a parent again, then maybe the foster care route was something that I should do. So we just decided to take the plunge and just try and see what would happen. The state of Kentucky recently reached an all-time high of 10,000 children in the foster care system. For years, the system has become increasingly overwhelmed. And then, coronavirus hit the United States. Now to growing concerns about the deadly coronavirus officially hitting the Breaking U.S. Breaking news. The first death from coronavirus here in the United a States. a record for the second straight day. More than, listen to this, 39,000 new infections. And suddenly, everything changed. Adams was one of these foster parents impacted by the cancellation of court dates. She was nearing the end of a long and tedious process to adopt her second foster placement when the pandemic began. And suddenly, her plans were changed. We only found out a week before adoption day that, no, this adoption's not going to happen. All the dockets have been cleared, and it was really devastating. As a mom getting ready to adopt a child, you know, it's almost like having a, a new baby. You want all those special moments documented. But we waited patiently just to see what was going to happen, and Probably about 10 days prior to her actual adoption day, my lawyer called and said they have set aside a day that we're going to do her adoption. We don't know whether it's going to be a phone call or if it's going to be a Zoom call. He said, what do you think about doing that? Because it may be months before the courts are open back up and we can do a face-to-face adoption. I told him, I said, I'm fine with that. Ever how we can get her adopted. That was, I think, on a Friday, and that Sunday, it's Easter, and we got a huge storm that knocked off all of our power, and I knew the day was coming quick that we were supposed to, you know, do this adoption, and I'm thinking, okay, how are we going to do this adoption now? I have no electricity. I have, of course, no internet access. Our cell phone was out. That next morning on adoption day, we ended up going to the Walmart parking lot. And when it finally come time, got on our Zoom call, and even the judge, he was like, my secretary's told me what all's going on at your house. Where exactly are you all for this phone call? 
He said, because I can tell you're in a vehicle. And I was like, we were sitting in the Walmart parking lot. And he, he laughed so hard. And he was like, times have really changed. We're all just doing the best that we can. He said, just glad that you all could actually do this. So in the future, when we talk about that day, we'll have to talk about how we actually got her in the Walmart parking lot. And those fears of that not being a special day, it's different. Her story will definitely be different when we tell her from what our first placement was. But her day is just as special, even though it's a Zoom phone call. The pandemic is impacting both biological and foster parents in a variety of ways. Many parents who worked outside of the home are now living double lives, attempting to balance work and family responsibilities at the same time. That's an excerpt from Hannah Adams' documentary, Foster Care in a Pandemic World. You can hear the whole thing at Apple Shop's archive. It's part of their larger Creating in Place project. That project's all about getting people out and about to make media and art about their pandemic experiences. I recently had the chance to catch up with Hannah on the phone. When you go back now and and you see that story there alongside all the others, what, what feelings does that bring to you? You know, I'm very proud of the work that I was able to do during the pandemic. Being a young person and trying to create media and trying to make a name for yourself in the media industry can be difficult. And I also think that being in a rural place like Eastern Kentucky and trying to make media is also a challenge. And so when you take those challenges we're already facing and add a global pandemic into it, to some people it might seem impossible. But I think that we were able to achieve great things, and I'm really proud of of the work we were able to do. How are you feeling a year into this this thing? How are you feeling about the, the remaining months ahead of us, if not years, but at least months? You know, I, I look now that we're talking about this, I'm looking back at the place that we were in when I made this piece during the summer of 2020, and it really doesn't feel like that much has changed. Uh, I feel like we're we're only now getting to this this new part of the pandemic where a lot more people are getting vaccinated and and it feels like we can almost see the end. But at the same time, I know that it it's going to take a long time for everyone to get vaccinated and for everyone to to build up their immune systems, and not even health wise, but just the impact that this pandemic has had on communities and businesses. I mean, I, I feel like it's going to be years ahead of us before we could ever get back to a place where where we think life is normal again. That was Hannah Adams, a 22-year-old Kentuckian who produced an audio documentary about foster care during the pandemic. We'll share a link to the full documentary on our webpage at wvpublic.org. There's a long road to recovery, whether it's our social lives, our jobs, or our health. And we've lost over half a million Americans, and some COVID long haulers are still dealing with lingering health effects. And others have made a full recovery, but only after fearing for their lives. That was the case for Robert Villamagna, who lives in Wheeling, West Virginia. Robert's an artist. He repurposes old metal, like coffee cans or antique toys, and turns them into art pieces. He was named West Virginia Artist of the Year in 2016. Robert got a really serious case of COVID. He was hospitalized twice. Last year, we featured Robert on Inside Appalachia two different times, and I checked back in with him again to see how things are going. You know, when we talked to you last March, we talked a lot about what this pandemic might look like for artists. And in fact, here's a quick little clip. I want everyone to hear of advice that you gave fellow artists and creators going into the pandemic when it was all so uncertain and we really didn't know anything. We didn't know what the future was going to look like. Hey, hang in there. And, uh, if you're an artist, an artist wannabe, go make your work regardless. Just try to find some time in the day to make work uh, and, and and share it with your friends. So that was from last March. And 
then when we talked to you in the summer, you actually had COVID. So catch us up to speed. Well, <laughs> well, I tell you, you know, uh, it seems like uh, uh, everything is uh, pre-COVID or post-COVID. So um, I got through that thing. Uh, my wife and I both did. And, um, and, and I don't know, we came out of the other side of it. it. It took several weeks. Sometimes I think that we did it faster and better than I actually think we did. As a matter of fact, a few weeks ago, I actually played back that interview you did with me just after I got out of the hospital, you know, and, and when I heard my own voice, I said, is that me? I'm a, I was really weak. You know, I was really beat up. Yeah. In fact, Robert, I have a clip I want to play um, of when we spoke last August when you were so sick um, and you were talking about why people should take COVID-19 seriously. What's unfortunately, I think, going to convince somebody who has not been convinced is that either they wake up with this or a family member wakes up with this because you're, you're, I kid you not, you're in for the fight of your life. And uh, there's a period where you just want to get through it. And you can't believe it. You can't, you, just a minute. You can't believe that there's something that can get inside of you and has so many different facets. And it's not it's not the damn flu. It goes way beyond that. And and it can bring with it so many things. This thing this thing is so for real. Gosh, uh Robert, just listening to your voice from when you were sick. It really puts it into perspective that, in a way, you had a near-death experience. I guess, did it leave you with any new outlook on life? Um, <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because, you know, whether there was a near-death experience, I don't know about that, but I do know this. I was the most scared probably of about any time in my life, you know, and um, I, I was really, really, really frightened. It just it felt so great to each day get a little bit better. And, and you know, I'm thinking about it now. I have like these little flashbacks. I talked to you. But since then, um, you know, got back to working in the studio just about every day. And then right now I have a, a small solo show, which is the first thing I've done in over a year as far as as far as exhibit, you know, and that's been really good. And you just got your second dose of the vaccine, correct? I did. <laughs> I did. The reason I'm <laughs> laughing is because I'm thinking this makes absolutely no sense to me. Like, wait a minute. I've been through this COVID thing. Why is it that I get the vaccine? And it knocks my socks off. Granted, <laughs> granted, only for 48 hours, but I'm going, what? And, I mean, coming up on this anniversary, I mean, I know I've been really reflective on what this last year has looked like for me. Um, are you feeling um, sentimental? Are you feeling hopeful? I, I probably feel more, more hopeful and looking more into... Um, being with other people. As an artist, do you feel like having social interactions is important for you? <laughs> well, I do because, you know, for me, you know, and I think I got a feeling that I might speak for a lot of people who are visual artists or, or maybe writers uh -huh. and also that kind of thing. You know, you're in the studio, you're not hanging out with other people in the studio. And so sometimes at the end of the day or maybe on a weekend, you're really looking forward to getting together with other people. And it's usually, of course, going to be other artists, other writers or whatever. And you get to change ideas, you get to talk and you get to both, you know, all of you reflect on the world and, and what's going on with each other and all that kind of thing. And then when you don't do that for a year, man. You know, that's uh, to me, 
um, that's kind of crazy. So, so as an artist, I'm, I'm even, I'm really looking forward to it. Right. Well, Robert, I, one of my favorite things about talking with you is, is you have a very, um, lovely kind of poetic way of saying things and just, it seemed to have a lot of wisdom. And I'm wondering, <laughs> I think a lot of us were, we're happy that maybe there's the light at the end of the tunnel, but mm -hmm. it's still scary and it still feels like it could be a long ways away. And I'm wondering if you have any kind of comforting words or words of wisdom you might share with us. That's so heavy. You know, I, <laughs> uh, I, I think that it's, for me, it's extremely appropriate, I feel, that we're coming out of this. And I don't believe that we're out. At least we're easing up with the pandemic. Things are getting better. And guess what else is happening, people? Spring's coming. Right. Uh, we still got some cold days and some wet days and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, sure. But, but wow, this winter, we're finally closing the door on that. And I think, wow, that's a, like a double combination. You know, yeah. that's like going to the movies. Did you want popcorn and candy? Yeah, I want both. <laughs> I want, you know, and that's how we're getting it right now. And I think that's, that's kind of awesome. Today we're checking in on folks like Robert to hear how their lives have changed in the past year. Let's listen to another voicemail from a listener. Hi, my name is Megan Keck. I live in Logan County, West Virginia. And how my life has changed is my husband and I haven't eaten in a restaurant since March of 2020. Until recently, we were both able to get vaccinated. That has changed our lives drastically. The silver lining is that we have worked our way through several cookbooks. We've ordered a ton of cookbooks on Amazon and bought books at Taylor Books. And we've been really able to bond over cooking, not only with ourselves, but through our friends over Zoom. And that's been great. We've played lots of board games. We learned how to play chess. We've read a lot of books. I started graduate school, which was unanticipated. And I applied and got in and decided to go since um, my work has slowed down drastically. I'm not traveling as much. I've been able to do that and kind of advance my career that way. But I think the most important thing that I've learned is, like, to cook better and to cook more frequently and not rely on takeout. And it's become something that I've really appreciated doing. Another listener who reached out was Cody Greathouse of Point Pleasant, West Virginia. He and his next door neighbor, Gabe Roosh, started a podcast over the pandemic called What's Hapalachinin? I chatted with Cody about it, and he says one of their segments is inspired by both of their bushy beards. We, we do a segment called What Grinds My Beard is one of our segments. <laughs> um, we always open up our episodes to, you know, something negative, but end it with how we could fix it or, you know, put it in a different light. We always end our episodes with I'll drink to that. Do you think you guys would have had the idea to start a podcast had it not been for the pandemic? Oh, man, Caitlin, it's a good question. <laughs> um, I, I honestly, I don't know. It may have come up in discussion or in conversation, but to be honest, Caitlin, I don't think it would have happened. Um, just because we were trying to find things to pass some time. What What does the future look like for you guys? Like in the post-pandemic world, do you plan on continuing? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think we've we gained quite a following. Even the people that aren't in Appalachia but grew up here that, that are, you know, expats, like they'll email us constantly like, hey, episode was great. Uh, I hate that I'm not, you know, in West Virginia anymore. You know, whenever I listen to you guys, it gives me that little slice of, of Appalachia. And tell me about the name. Yeah, what's Appalachian? So now Gabe and I, every time we see each other, it's like, what's up, dude? What's Appalachian, man? <laughs> How'd you guys come up with the name? Uh, we were having a cup of coffee and I was like, what are we going to name this thing, man? Like, and he's just, you know, he said, we're going to be doing it about Appalachia, blah, blah, blah. And one day I was like, what's happening, man? And then it just hit me. And I said it. And I was like, dude, does that sound stupid? He's <laughs> like, no, man, that sounds awesome. Like, I think that'll stick. 
Yeah. So we just went with it. And it flows kind of well it, once you start saying it a couple It does. Times. What's Appalachianin? <laughs> What's Appalachianin? Um, so we're coming up on a year here of the pandemic. Um, anything that you would say? Well, I think at the end of the day, with everything that's well, that's happened with the pandemic, there, there's always a silver lining. I feel like a lot of things have been brought to the surface that need to be focused on in, in Appalachia. You know, you look at broadband, you look at technology in the classroom. I teach seventh and eighth grade. So these kids are coming from the elementary school and have never met one another before. Oh uh, if they God. came from different elementary schools. That's been kind of a bright spot for me is seeing these kids do the best they can with, with the situation that they're in. And I feel like as Appalachians, that's what it's all about. You know, I feel like at times we as Appalachians have to just take what we're given and, and go with it. You know, we don't always get a fair shake. And, and sometimes we can be stereotyped in terms of where we come from, but we always take what's given to us and we always go with it and, and try to make it the best we can, you know. We're going to close out our show today talking about mental health, something that's really important that can easily be overlooked. So I spoke with Carol Smith. She's a professor of counseling at Marshall University. And she says that this past year has been really tough on people. It's completely normal to feel fried, bored, burned out. Okay, we've done this enough. Let's move on to the next thing. You know, feeling antsy, all of those things. Yeah, they're all completely, completely normal. And again, same idea. Sit with the feeling and what is it telling you? What is it telling you about your situation? And if you want to, you know, you can set aside or, or create some sort of ritual that expresses that sense of yearning or longing and, and go ahead and do and, and indulge that for a few minutes. Uh, but I wouldn't spend a lot of time indulging that because that can just make you sadder. Um, I would, I would spend time just saying, okay, yep, we all feel burned out. Guess what? Everybody does. This situation is difficult. We're going to keep pressing forward. Okay. And do you think it's an important time to, um, I guess to reserve judgment and be less critical of oneself and perhaps others that we're all just kind of doing the best we can right now. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I even say this to myself sometimes just, you know, be gentle with yourself. It's okay. And do you think, I mean, once our world does return to more of a sense of normalcy, like um, the majority of people are vaccinated and things are opened back up. Do you think there could still be some carryover of mental health issues uh, that we oh, suffered yeah. from? Yeah. Like they won't just automatically go away. No, things are not going to automatically go away um, because some things changed irrevocably during COVID-19. People have had loved ones die. People yeah. have lost their, their jobs or even their careers. Uh, people have been made homeless. Uh, there have been an awful lot of losses. And we've had to you know, stay really cooped up for a really long time. Difficult situations have become more difficult. I think, yeah, we will do our best when we dig down into our mountaineer roots and, and, and know that we're all doing the best we can. We pull together. Uh, we're compassionate towards one another. We, just, we give each other just a little more margin, a little more breathing space, a little more benefit of the doubt. And, and just have this sort of camaraderie or fellow feeling that we all got through this together. And isn't that something good? Yeah, that's true. For those who maybe can't afford counseling going forward or, um, or just are looking for like just some kind of word of advice or word of comfort. I would just say, you know, sweetie, sweetie, it's been a really bad year. Let's just face it. It's been really, really hard. And Go easy on yourself. Uh, watch what you say to yourself. Try and say good things and encouraging things to yourself. Um, maybe temper your expectations of other people, understanding that they too are also really stressed. And again, just realize we're going to take this one step at a time. We're going to get back to normal. Here's the, just one other small piece of advice. Yeah. Understand what interpersonal boundaries are all about. And interpersonal boundaries are where I end and you begin so that you don't feel like you have to fix 
all the problems of everyone around you. Let them take charge of their own problems. You attend to your problems and you all work together. So interpersonal boundaries is a really good thing. If you're not familiar with that phrase, you know, you can go and look it up online and start reading about it. But interpersonal boundaries is a really important thing. And then the other thing is margins. Um, schedule some margins in your life. Don't schedule things back to back to back to back and tasks back to back to back to back. Provide some margins in your life. Margins between tasks, margins between different roles, and even a margin in your own brain uh, between whatever is provoking you at a moment and then your response to whatever is provoking you in the moment. If you can just stick a tiny little margin in between what provoked you and how you respond to that provocation, that'll save you a lot of mental stress in the long run. That was Carol Smith, a professor of counseling at Marshall University. If you or someone you know need to talk to a mental health professional, call the National Helpline. It's 1-800-662-HELP. You know, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message on our voicemail. Whether you want to talk about the pandemic or your big hopes and dreams for the summer or something you'd like us to cover on Inside Appalachia, call us, 304-460-5582. You can find that number on our website, too. Till next time, thanks for joining us as we journey throughout Appalachia. Our theme music is by Matt Jackfurt, and other music this week was provided by Dinosaur Burps, Blue Dot Sessions, and Spencer Elliott. Roxy Todd is our producer. Jade Arthur Holtz is our associate producer. Our executive producer is Andrea Billups. Kelly Libby is our editor. Our audio mixer is Patrick Stevens. Xandor Alloy also helped produce this episode. You can find us on Twitter at InAppalachia. You can also send us an email to InsideAppalachia at wvpublic.org. Visit wvpublic.org slash InsideAppalachia to sign up for our newsletter. There you can also subscribe or download all of our stories or look for the Inside Appalachia podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Appalachia is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting. Support for Inside Appalachia is provided by Concord University in Athens, West Virginia. With career-focused liberal arts education in more than 80 degrees and programs to pursue various career options, not just a single job. More at concord.edu.